Welcome back to What You Trying to Do, part two. Tonight, we continue on in our series on the book of Galatians and what it means to prioritize our faith. Our main takeaway last time was this. Anything that is accomplished from mere human effort is but a shadow of what is possible by faith. Let me say it again. Anything that is accomplished from mere human effort is but a shadow of what is possible by faith. We then went on to discuss the first three of six ways that we can stay rooted in our faith. They included reflecting, realigning, and rejecting. We reflect on who or what is influencing us and try to assess whether that's strengthening or weakening our faith. Two, we realign our lives with truth, meaning we start living according to what it is we say we believe. We're no longer satisfied with just thoughts or words. Our lives have to start lining up. And next, we reject. In the process of reflecting and realigning, we start to reject anything that attempts to dissuade or discourage us from believing God. Everything gets filtered through the word of God now. Everything. I promised in our last episode that tonight we would talk a little bit more about why Paul chose Abraham to use as an example of faith and also about the difference between miracles and our attempts to manufacture our own blessings. If you've ever felt the need to help God or hurry him along, this is an episode you can't afford to miss. Get your Bibles, get your notebooks, and let's get into it on tonight's episode what you trying to do? Part two. Hey friend, so let's refamiliarize ourselves with last week's text from Galatians 3, 1 through 9. We're going to focus on the last three verses, 6 through 9 tonight, and we may take a little detour into Paul's letter to Rome in Romans chapter 4. So you can place a little bookmark there now if you'd like. So let's begin with Galatians 3, verses 6 through 9. I'm going to start reading. In the same way, Abraham believed God. This is verse 6. In the same way, Abraham believed God and God counted him as righteous because of his faith. The real children of Abraham then are those who put their faith in God. So that's verses 6 and 7 from Galatians 3. I want us to just sit here for a second because Paul said, in the same way, Abraham believed God and God counted him as righteous because of his faith. So when I see a phrase like therefore, or as a result, or something like this, it says in the same way, I'm asking myself, okay, the same way, in what way? So let's go back to verse five to get a little bit of context, right? Verse five says, I ask you again, does God give you the Holy Spirit and work miracles among you because you obey the laws? Of course not. It's because you believe the message you heard about Christ. So when Paul then writes in verse six, in the same way Abraham believed God, it's really this simple. Abraham believed God, right? Because verse five ends with that phrase, 
that the reason why God's doing things, the reason why you have the Holy Spirit is not because you obey rules. It is because you have believed the message you heard about Christ. So when verse six picks up and says, in the same way, Abraham believed God, right? In the same way that you're being asked to believe him, not based on your own works, not based on you following rules, but just as a result of relationship, as a result of faith, because Abraham believed God like that, God counted him as righteous right? So Abraham believed God. There was no confidence in what Abraham could do on his own. When we get real high on our horses, that is, it can sound silly to us um, to say that as Christians, we think that God is compelled to perform miracles based on what we do or don't do. And yet many of us have been held in bondage because we subconsciously believe that there is something that we can be doing or should be doing to earn God's attention or his favor, which originally sounds pretty innocent, right? We just want to do good things for God, except it's our motivations and our intentions that are the problem. We don't just want to do good things for God. We are doing them with an expectation that he then will do something for us, which if you just think of it surface level, doesn't seem so bad, except when we do things, quote unquote, for God, with an expectation that then he's going to turn around and do something for us, we're implying one of two things, either one, that God's not a good father and that he must be or can be bought. Or two, that he's not really God at all, and therefore he can be manipulated by a mere human's wants or efforts. It's really one or the other, because either he's a good God, he's a good father who does good things for his children, or he's not God at all, and he can be manipulated, controlled, or cajoled into doing what man wants, right? And because faith is so simple, it can simply be misunderstood. We have faith, and as a result of our faith, we then think, live, and act as if the things that we believe are true. It's about choice. We don't think, live, and act, and then hope what we're doing will somehow make it true. Can I give you an example? I love a good example, okay? So my son knows, absent an act of God, I am going to be waiting in the line at school to pick him up every day at 3.30. He is so confident that I'm going to do this, that when it's time to line up for car valet, he gets his stuff, he gets in line. Then he walks to the front of the school with the other kids that he also knows are getting picked up by their parents. He puts on his lanyard. He waits in line. He walks outside to the sidewalk. And when his number is called, he comes to the car. And you know what has never happened? I have never pulled up on him and had him say to me, oh my gosh, mom. You came. I was hoping you would, but you know, I didn't know. Never, never. He gets his butt in the car with all the confidence in the world because he knew I would be there. And I'm just a human being, right? I'm an awesome mom, but still (laughs) a flawed human being. But my son has faith that I'm going to do what I said I'm going to do. Why? Because one, he knows I love him and I have proven my love for him through my actions. I have shown him consistency. And as a result, he has grown confident that mama is going to be there. This in a very simplistic form is what faith looks like. But let me tell you what we often do. And I'm going to try to still stick to the school pickup example. 
God tells us he's going to pick us up from school. Now he's picked us up before. Truth be told, we've often taken for granted how many times he's picked us up from school, if you will. There were times where he was there to pick us up from school before we even know we needed a ride. Can I get an amen? Yes. But nevertheless, we go to school, right? Being told by God, he's going to pick us up. We nervously try to make sure we're on our best behavior. After all, God picks up good boys and girls. We then try to make sure that we check in with him regularly throughout the day. No, no, that's not anxiety or fear. We just want to make sure he's still going to pick us up. We talk to our friends about it. Has God picked y'all up before? Uh, what time? What was he driving? Did you like the ride? Would y'all talk about? Where'd you go after that? Okay, okay, so he picked up y'all. Okay, maybe then he'll pick me up. And we debate whether uh, we're going to get in the pickup line because, I mean, what if he he doesn't come through. We don't want to look stupid. And um, wow, there's a lot of people in this line. What if one of them uh, gets to God ahead of me? Um, what if God decides that he wants to take them instead of me? You know what? I'm just going to walk. <laughs> I don't really want to have to bother God. And yeah. Oh, there he is. Okay. Thank you, Father. That That's, that's what we call faith. And we confuse that neuropsychosis with believing God. My anxiety just got triggered and I'm the one that came up with the example. <laughs> Abraham believed God. God fulfilled his promise. Abraham believing God made Abraham righteous. Believing God. Abraham believing God made Abraham righteous. Not Abraham believing in God. Believing God. Two totally different things. Do we believe in God? Meaning, do we believe that he exists? Do we believe that Jesus is his son? I hope so. But I want to challenge you to not just believe in God. The Bible says even demons believe in God. I want to know, do you believe God? Because friend, how are we going to align our lives and get rooted in a truth that we don't really believe? How can we have faith and a God that we don't trust. Hmm. Galatians 3, 7 says, the real children of Abraham then are those who put their faith in God. And verse 8 says, what's more, the scriptures looked forward to this time when God would make the Gentiles right in his sight because of their faith. God proclaimed this good news to Abraham long ago when he said, all nations will be blessed through you. So all who put their faith in Christ share the same blessing Abraham received because of his faith. That's a beautiful thought. God, before time began, already had a plan in place to open the door to allow you and I, non-Jewish born believers, to be welcomed into the family of God. And through no greater act than us choosing to believe him not just believe in him, but we get access to all that God is, all that he has in store for us, all that he wants to pour into us and bless us with and allow others to be blessed through us by simply believing him. That's it. Believing him. We're going to talk some more about it right after this break. We'll be right back. <laughs> Welcome back, friends. So we were just wrapping up Galatians 3, 
six through nine, and we were talking about the simplicity of faith and how if we're not careful, we can make it overcomplicated. When something's overcomplicated, we will get overwhelmed and frustrated with the whole process and we'll give up. But in our relationship with God, friend, we can't afford to get faith wrong. We can't afford to just settle and say, oh, well, I'm saved. I'm going to go to heaven when I die. That's not good enough. Jesus said that he came to give us an abundant life. The enemy comes to steal kill and destroy. God says, I came to give you life and to give it in abundance, which doesn't just speak to financial prosperity as is often preached. We're talking about a full, whole, healed life. And to access that requires faith. Faith isn't just for salvation. Faith is to have the strength and equipping, the power and the authority to live abundantly every day of your life. That kind of life is possible. In fact, it's the kind of life that Jesus intends for you to live. So we can't afford to get faith wrong. This isn't something that we can say, oh, that's just a spiritual notion that I'm willing to put in a box and leave on a shelf and one day figure it out. It is the crux. It is the foundation of everything that we're going to build upon in our relationship with God. If we don't believe him, then what are we doing? It's one of those things that has to be worked out first. And the thing is, the Holy Spirit is willing to wrestle with that um, and to help you to understand it and to come into a full understanding of what faith is and not only an understanding, but how to express it and to really tap in uh, to the power of God in your everyday life. So it's not something you have to try to figure out on your own, but it is something that we have to acknowledge needs some work. And I think that's where we often get stuck is we don't want to acknowledge that we've missed something, that the life that God promised is not what we're experiencing, that we have been existing for a long time, that we've been stuck in survival mode for a long time. And this is no judgment. This is just acknowledging that this is not what Jesus died for me to have. And again, we're not talking about mere financial prosperity, although we don't practice a scarcity mindset here. God absolutely can and does bless financially. We're talking about building the kind of relationship that is rich in all aspects, in all aspects, not just financial. So I want to talk a little bit about Abraham and why he's kind of heralded as the father of faith. Because if you didn't know Abraham's story, then you might think, oh, this is just some random guy who was probably super holy <laughs> and the standards just set really high. And so therefore God blessed him. But let's remember that when we first meet Abram, um, as he was originally referred to in Genesis 12, we don't have a long track record to build from, right? We don't have this um, kind of dense history where we've come to know him and see him in action. We meet Abraham being called to do something extraordinary, and that was to leave his country and his people and to go to some place that God would eventually show him. And the reason why I think it's important for us to focus on the fact that God didn't give us this long prerequisite of great things that Abram had done is so that we won't equate calling with perfection. We won't equate calling or the performance of God's promises with us doing certain things. That is the rule or the, the chain that Paul is really trying to break here in the beginning of Galatians 3, what he really wants to get home is there's nothing that you can do that's going to make God do anything. The good things that he does for you are because he loves you and it's because you believe him, not because you're following a list of do's and don'ts. And so I think it's poignant to point out that we don't see 
that with Abraham either. We don't see that there was all these great things that he did and all these other things that he didn't do. And therefore God said, you know what? You're going to be the father of many nations, right? That's important for us. I really want you to get that because if it wasn't required for Abraham to receive this unparalleled promise, and it's not required for us either. Listen to me. Listen to me. I am not giving you a get out of jail free card. I'm not giving you a hall pass. I'm not saying that we can do and live however we want without consequence. That's in fact the opposite of everything that we've talked about here at Rooted. We have talked about how our lives must be aligned with truth, that our faith must be demonstrated by our actions, by what we do, and that ultimately the love and the trust that allows faith to thrive is inseparable from an authentic relationship with God himself, right? And that the two, this idea of willful rebellion and that we can just do whatever we want to do and authentic faith-fueled relationship with God cannot peaceably coexist. You can't have both together. So that's not what I'm saying. What I am saying is this, you cannot earn your favor. You can't earn God's promises. You can't earn anything from God because he needs nothing. And if by some means, friend, you have something of value that God wanted, who is it, my love, do you think that gave it to you in the first place? Yo, daddy. Mm -hmm. Yo, daddy. God gave it to you. So let this be freeing to you. The only one putting this pressure for perfection on you is you. Perfection is not the prerequisite for the promise. Hear me. Perfection is not the prerequisite for the promise. Faith is. <laughs> so what did Abraham do to demonstrate his faith from the beginning? He left. Huh? Yeah. When God said, leave your country and your people and go to this place that I'm going to show you, Abraham did what? He left. Mm -hmm. He went. He walked away from what was familiar, from what was certain, from what was comfortable, from what was probably working and went where? He didn't know. He did not know because the first step wasn't about where he would end up. It was about whether he was willing to walk away. So for those of you who are waiting for God to fulfill a promise, and it seems long in coming, friend, 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 is it possible that the promise is waiting on you? You say you want it, but it's over there. But you won't leave from over here. Where is here for you? Is it a city? Is it a relationship? Is it a job industry? Is it a mindset? Where is here? And, and why are you here? And your promise is over there. You think God's not going to come through? Friend, he's waiting on you. So ask yourself, has God promised me something that came with a first step? And I'm looking at the end goal and I haven't moved my feet. I can see the finish line. I believe I'm going to get to the finish line, yet I'm afraid to move from the starting block. How does that work? How, how, how are we, we going to do that? How are we going to do that? I honestly believe that the first interaction between Abram and God was God testing him to see if Abraham had what it took to believe him. God wasn't looking for perfection. He wasn't looking for a performance. He was looking for a heart that would take him at his word. 
Genesis chapter 12 says, the Lord said to Abram, leave your country and your people, leave your father's family and go to the country that I will show you. I will build a great nation from you. I will bless you and make your name famous. People will use your name to bless other people. I will bless those who bless you and I will curse those who curse you. I will bless you. I'm sorry. I will use you to bless all the people on earth. And then in verse four, it says, so Abram left Haran just like the Lord said. Like what? Just like the Lord said. I'm thinking back to so many different situations in my life that would have gone a totally different way if I d- just done like the Lord said. I I hope none of you can relate, but I bet some of you can. So I fibbed. <clears throat> I fibbed. Uh, there's going to have to be a part three. Because we we just got into it. Uh, that's my fault. We just got into it. And we still have to talk about the manufactured versus the miraculous. Because there was a time that Abraham got it all the way wrong. And we need to see an example of what happens when we get in our own way. And it's important because we are choosing, we are choosing to no longer settle for what we can make happen because you and I, friend, we're serious about experiencing a miracle. Do you want what only you can do or are you ripe to receive what God is doing? Because remember our takeaway from part one, anything that is accomplished from mere human effort is but a shadow of what is possible by faith. Anything that is accomplished from mere human effort is but a shadow of what is possible by faith. I'm going to give you a little homework because I want your hearts and minds prepared for part three next week because we have to wrap this up and it's going to start with us just going all in. So I'm going to ask you to please read Romans 4 and then Genesis 15 through 21. Look, look, you have all week. You could read a chapter a day. I just really want you to grasp the full picture and context. And unless you want there to be a part 72 to this, you're going to have to do a little bit of homework. If you don't read it, I'll still be your friend. (laughs) I love you. I'm Shania, and this is Rooted.